Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with James Berg, founder of Picaroons. We break it down and talk about what led James to starting the company, as well as hearing about the origins of James's mindset, which gave birth to the Picaroons ideology and company culture. And we hear about the realities of running his ship the way he does. Welcome to Be More Pirate. James, is Picaroons part of a big plan or is it just something that you stumbled across one day because you identified an opportunity in the market? Yeah, it's a great question. So Picaroons started from a belief that I had in a mindset, which was social media and content, digital content. Most of the advice about how to do it effectively was communicated in a very, very complex way. It's quite a new market. I mean, social media is 10, 15 years old. So it was very, very complex. The people speaking about it were really positioning themselves, these thought leaders with knowledge no one else could understand. So being part of that market and understanding it, I was able to apply that advice. But then on the other side, you had advice that was communicated in the most simple way and was so ineffective. The example I always use is I remember being at talk and someone saying, a digital expert, speaking to small businesses, saying, you need to say good morning to your fans every single day. You need to post good morning because you'll come across as friendly. Because at that time, Coca-Cola would have put good morning on Twitter and got, Justin Bieber would have put good morning and got 100 million retweets. So you'd have a plumber or someone with a small flower shop going, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> and their 40 fan, the fans, their 40 followers, 38 of them are probably family members, are just going to go, unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. <laughs> so my mindset was, can we meet in the middle? And can I create something which is very, very effective advice, which will increase your bottom line, but communicated in a way that's so simple that your nan could understand? And when I say your nan could understand... I tested out my theories on my nan to see if she could understand. And that's what led to my book, 104 Social Media Content Ideas to Increase Sales, which I wish I'd have managed to think up a shorter title when I I mentioned it. Very catchy, not. (laughs) It was a very practical title. It was like, okay, we want something that the target audience, small, medium businesses and charities would see that and go, yeah, that's what I need. And so by creating that, it's very easy. You can see an idea, you can action it instantly. And I just started a company to sell that book under because I knew eventually I wanted to leave agencies where I was working and go freelance. And Picaroons is another word for pirate. And so I chose Picaroons because I have a real obsession with pirates. Do you? What's the obsession? How long have you got? (laughs) So I think to keep it as most simple, there's a book called Be More Pirate. And it's all around how the pirates, if you learn from the way they did their business, they weren't saints. But the time they did their business, if you think the government were burning people at the stake because they thought they were witches. So they weren't living in normal times. And a lot of pirates actually worked in the Navy at one point or another. And what the pirates did was they seek to make their own lives better. They weren't trying to change the world. They were trying to make themselves more profitable and happy. As a result, they changed the world. Because to do that, they had to create fair working practice, fair pay. And they had things like, I said, I could bore you with this all day, but one example I always use is um, injury compensation. If you lost an arm in the Navy, if you go, go sit on the street. We can't use you anymore. So the pirate said, okay, if you lose an arm, we'll give you five gold pieces. If you lose an eye, we'll give you 10 gold pieces. We'll give you five gold pieces and a hawk, and there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they might be yeah, useful. A gold hook, it was really bad. <laughs> and as a result, 
People were leaving the Navy. There's team, they could, you could vote out the captain. They had female CEOs, female captains. They had same-sex marriage on the ship. All these things at that time were no-nos. Is this fact or fiction? This is fact. Really? This is fact, yeah. And what year was it written in? It was written about four or five years ago by a guy called Sam Conniff, who I'm actually proud to say that we ended up working with him on his second book, How to Be More Pirate. And a lot of his book, and so the freelance aspect of Picaroons is built on that book. It's built on the notion, I built a lot of the business on the notions of that book of fair pay, fair practice, the fact that you don't have like a permanent crew, the fact that I'm really put all the focus on my creatives enjoying the work and liking the work, which as a result means they do the best work possible, which helps the client. And yeah, I'm proud to say that we end up working with Sam on his second book, How to Be More Pirate. And there's actually a whole page on myself and the way I run the business, how it's like a modern day pirate ship. So that's my shortest way of boring you on pirates. But it's, it's quite fascinating because when you look at the Picaroons website, there are clearly lots of references to pirates, which for some, with that, before having met you, it was almost like, well, this is just a marketing kind of, this is, this is yeah. the kind of the, the theme that you've wanted to build. But hearing that is really fascinating. I think this is, for me, one of the amazing things about doing these podcasts are people's backstories as to how they got to where they got. And it wasn't you were just drunk one night in a pub and you just thought, oh, I love a pirate, so yeah, therefore yeah. it's going to be picaroons. That's fascinating. Oh, thank you. I yes. now want to read this book. Please do. It's a, <laughs> I recommend it to a lot of people. Everyone who works with us, we send them a copy. It's... It's a real mindset. And when you look throughout history, anyone who's done pirate thinking, it's another word for disruptive, but it's your rock and roll music. They used to play that on the pirate radio, but there was the BBC did not want to play that. The BBC wanted to keep it jazz. They wanted to keep it classical. But when they looked and saw there's 10 million people up and down the country tuning into this pirate radio, listening to Rolling Stones, they didn't want to play it. But they did because that's how they get profit. And you look at the sustainable nature of many businesses now, many of these big corporations. I wrote a presentation about seven or eight years ago called Big Brand Redemption. And it was all about how we'd start to see these businesses, Adidas making trainers from plastic. You've got all of the businesses that in Pride Month are shouting out. And I'm not saying they're doing it right because their reason for doing it a lot of time is still profit. But the pirates, the people standing up for what's right in the world, they're the ones who force change in the bigger organizations and the way we see it. So it's a really great book. And I don't want to do an injustice by going too much into it, but that was part of it. And also just the fun. Pirates wanted to have fun. They wanted to enjoy their life. And I think that's a big part for me of the way I run the business and the nature of, I want all my creatives to have fun because I believe that's how the best work gets done. And I can tell that's the same for you guys, the way you're doing this. Yeah. It's enjoying it. That's how the best work gets done. You make the best content. Everyone's smiling. So James, where are you living at the moment? So at the moment I live in a place called Eresira outside Lisbon in Portugal. Um, it's a surf town. I try and make sure to surf every day or get outside, go for a bike ride, enjoy the beach. It's very nice. When did you move? I moved in, I first went there in September 2020. So I'd started, I'd left my job, uh, I worked at McCann, an advertising agency. I left that in the summer of 2019 I had this big vision that I'd travel the world, staying in for a month or so in each place, running the business. Um, I started off in South Africa for a month at a friend's kite surfing lodge, working with him. Outdoor sports is your thing. Yeah, I do enjoy outdoor sports. And uh, and then I went to Berlin for a month, um, just got my head down just to really set up what the business was going to be. And then I went to Morocco. I was back in London for a month, then I went to Morocco, and then COVID came about. And 
yeah, I, I always had this vision of seeing how long I can make that last, knowing I'd have to settle down a bit if Pickaroons was to grow. And then we actually got hired by Facebook to do a project and it was just before lockdown and we made it work remotely. And that's when I really thought, okay, actually I can make this work. I don't need to come back to London or set up an office. I can continue to make this work remotely. Um, and obviously through COVID, we carried that on. And yeah, I moved to, I think when there was a, say a gap, when there was a, break in the lockdowns in September of 2020, went out to Portugal, had a friend there and just loved it. And a week before Brexit, in December, I got my residency. I've settled down there since and kind of coming back and forth um, each month. But yeah, I love it. It's a very nice lifestyle. And I realized that actually I do need a bit more of a base if I'm going to be running a business. I can't keep. It's, it's quite funny though, when you look back to dates, you're very, very clear about when you move there. And I think it's because in that lockdown period, nothing happens. So when there was that break, I remember I went to Italy for a week. Um, I mean, you know, and literally, I think in that week, they then shut Italy down again, so everyone left. But like normally, I don't remember what I did last week, let alone sort of, you know, at some random point in 2020. So Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. I think I also have the conversation with so many people and they say, how, how long have you been? And I think, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes my planning mind, I think, goes a bit too much. I think sometimes with the business forwards and backwards... I really overthink those sometimes. And I don't know if it's a good, I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but it's, I don't know if it's I'm always jumping in and out of our folders to find work. So, oh, that was the work we did Facebook and all that was got that date on it. We like date all the folders. So, but yeah, I do seem to have quite a grasp on that was at that time, that was at that time. But I think there's been a lot of change in the last few years as well. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Aubrey Clark was born and raised Right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others Get set up and on their way Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. The Picaroons team, are you all dispersed globally and you all work remotely? Yeah. Yeah, they're not, I wouldn't say they're massively, we haven't really got anyone in America, I don't think, or um, like Australia kind of to those ends. But yeah, I don't. This is going to sound more horrible than I mean it to, but I don't care where they are. I don't care where they are. I don't care when they're working. I care, are they going to get the job done to the quality we want at the deadline? Um, and if that involves, I've got some some of the team, they will work on a Friday night. They'll start at six or seven o'clock and they'll work till one in the morning. I've got others that do a few morning shifts. I've got others that will take a few days in the week. I really believe that, I think with all work, but especially with creative work, each each person's different. They have different ways of working and it's about allowing someone to choose on their terms. So we really try and avoid work, which is we need this yesterday. We try and do as much work as possible of, okay, when do you need it by, let give us the time and then we try and have deadlines before that to allow if God forbid something goes wrong with health or any problems with the team. Um, yeah, it's all about, it's all about focusing on that 
avoiding stress and enjoying my own life, which as a result is the same of them. I want them to be enjoying it and working flexibly. But yeah, they're all dotted around remote workers. I haven't met some of them. I mean, I think one of the things I always find fascinating about people in creative um, industries like yours is that managing creative people requires a huge amount of energy and a very different sort of energy to kind of managing people who are sort of doing kind of more routine-based tasks. So how, how do you sort of create a culture, if you like, because even if they're just freelancers coming and going, you still want them to subscribe to the Picaroons kind of philosophy, you know, kind of be more pirate. So how do you instill those sorts of values or do you just look for people that innately have those values? That's a really good point. I think, so some of it is I've got a few of my own side projects which get funneled through Picaroons. So I've got, I know we were speaking before at the podcast, I've got my dad, uh, the book with a very long title, um, and I, there's a few projects where I'll be involved with them or I'm like working as an executive producer on something. There's a few different things like that where I'm the client. So you sort of test them out a little bit. You go, okay, I well- I test them out yeah, a bit or yeah. on a bit of Picaroons content. All right, do you know what? Make a poster for us. Okay. Make some, we've got a video for us. I mean, my main video editor who is, can do anything, that all came from, we had our Picaroons logo when I first started and I just wanted it animated. And it was just the way that, and I learned from them as well the way that he worked, the way he delivered it, his attitude. And yeah, I kind of just, I test them a bit. I'm very quick to throw them overboard because the nature of the Picaroons crew means, and this is part of maybe my stress avoidance of, I don't have to sit and talk. I don't have to sack someone. I don't have to do any severance. I just don't call just them again. Make them walk the plank. Yeah, make them, walk the, all, all make them walk the plank, which they don't actually realize they walk the plank. <laughs> I just don't call them again. Yeah. Well, the nature of yours is jump by jump. Yeah, yeah. So we had one, we've had one in the whole time in touch with that continues one project that went really badly and I ended up having to pay for it. Um, and it was just a junior person that kind of said, oh yeah, I can do the job. And they couldn't, and I can't even get into how many muck-ups they made. And that was just a conversation about, look, really muck me up here with not telling me the truth. And if you just said, he said, yeah, I'm sorry. And I said, look, yeah, fine. There was no, I'll be in touch. There was no, I'm not going to be in touch. It was just end disappointing, of end of conversation. I've never called him since. So that was part of my thing of trying to avoid those stressful situations and knowing who I can count on. But I think... It's quite nice, your industry. Whilst you say, Simon, creatives are tricky, at least you can go in, dabble, yeah. decide whether you want, no, move on. Like, but, you'll but get your also, crew. Yeah, but that's also, I think, as we start to grow, and I think that's been my part of mine, I say about the pipeline, how much we grow of, we haven't had loads and loads and loads of projects on that people are overworked yet. So as we start to grow, I expect those challenges to come in. I'm starting already. We were on... Um, I think it was called Worksome's Best Place for Freelancers to Work. Uh, we got that a few days ago and already I've had a load of new freelancers come in. So it's a case of, I think as we grow and maybe as I don't get to just test it out on my projects, I will have to make that leap and bring them in. Um, but we really find people in different places. Some of them were creatives that I worked with when I was in the industry. A lot of creatives who are recommended by creatives that I'd worked with. There was some where I worked with a client and they were the creative and it's just... I think you can spot those people, can't you, that have those values that you know that like, I can depend on you, you're going to get the job done. But yeah, I think in terms of the, my real thing for creatives is give them a real, really clear brief. The clear, I think a lot of people can't think creatively. So what they say they want isn't what they actually want. 
And the creative isn't going to be able to decipher that. And that's almost my role in the Picaroon's machine is to decipher what does the client actually want to need? And to the creative, what do I actually need you to deliver? So one of my techniques is to show a lot of references. But a lot of clients will sometimes say, I want that. They might pick a McDonald's advert or a specific visual they saw and say, I want this made. Whereas what we try and do is go, look, here's 20 things. Tell us which ones you like and don't. And they could be, it might be a picture of a sofa advert in India that I saw once on a Facebook page. Like there could be anything. We've got a really big reference bank. We'll pick that of what we think works. And then we'll say, tell us which ones you like and which ones you don't. Don't tell us why. Just tell us which you like and which you don't. And then what I'm able to give a creative and a good creative is a mood board that almost has a few different things on it. And they will then look at that. I don't need, and they'll go, okay, the red thread through all of these is there's the person is really made front and center. Or the red thread is there's a really bright colors. I don't tell them, I don't Jedi mind trick them, but I don't far off if I kind of go, look, here it, here's the references we want. Here's some things we have to have included. And I let them work it out creative. That's yeah. the, I, can you influence clients or you just got to do what they say? What yeah, you can really influence clients. Yeah. But I think it goes back to the part of the reasoning of the company of, so our drive at Picaroons isn't to win awards. We don't enter any awards um, like that. I'm not trying to win Can Lions and... Our outcome is to make the work that the client needs that we enjoy the process of making it. So when it comes to influencing clients, I'm influencing them to make the work that's going to help them with their business objective because when they see their business objective, they're going to then come back to us for more work. Whereas I think a lot of times when I worked in agencies in the past, and like I said, I worked at McCann, which was an amazing place to work, but agencies before that, sometimes they, they focus so much on winning the award or they focus so much on maybe that person wants to get a promotion themselves and they there's an idea that they've wanted to make for years. I used to love virtual reality. And I was like, I could easily try and push that on every client we've got, but that's not what they need. So you can influence them, but I'm always trying to influence them to the outcome of what's going to help their business with the pirate mindset, because that's going to help my business. So I think you can, but it's about influencing and giving them the tools to select what they like. And then you can go back to them and say, okay, here's what we know you like. So based on the fact you like that, and I've got this great creative, what we're now presenting is something that you didn't know you wanted to see it, but it's exactly what you wanted to see. Instead of, this is what I like to make. I'm going to make it and I'm going to try and trick you into paying for it because then I can win an award. But it's like anything, isn't it? You, you, you get somebody to come to the conclusion. You set them up to come to the conclusion you want them to and they're happy and in their minds that was their own free thinking. They haven't realised that they've sort of been subliminally coerced into choosing kind of whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah so. and I have, no, I have no problem with that yeah. because I know human our, nature. Our, our outcome is to help them. Like, I have no problem in saying, look, I had to influence you to do this because our thing is um, maybe it's because my, my old man used to work on a carpet, on a market stall to sell carpets and he really instilled with me of money. He doesn't care about all the fluff and things. So I go... Dad, I worked this really cool campaign or Facebook want to hire us. He's like, okay, Facebook want to hire you. How, how much, much money are they going to pay you for how long? He doesn't care, it's Facebook. So I think that mindset is when I moved into the PR, the advertising, the communications industry, I took that kind of money trader mindset from dad of, okay, but what's it? All right, this is a cool thing. You got 100,000 100, likes on your Facebook post. So what, you sell any t-shirts, selling the product? 
So I think that's what really influenced me and not minding that I know if I'm Jedi mind tricking a client into doing something, I know I'm doing it to help them with their outcome as opposed to, oh, I just really want to make this creative. So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra. Thank you to James for joining us. A big thank you to you, dear listener, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, follow us on Spotify, and find us on socials at BizWithoutBS. Until next time, it's goodbye.